Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 1, Episode 1, The Pleistocene Era and the Jomon Period. The modern nation of Japan is an archipelago of 6,852 islands located on the far eastern edge of Asia. The five largest islands are Honshu, the sprawling central island, Okinawa Island, which lies far to the south, Kyushu, the island closest to the Korean peninsula, Shikoku, which lies in Japan's inland sea, and Hokkaido, which lies to the far north near the Siberian island of Sakhalin. 35,000 years ago, however, the whole area appeared quite different. In addition to the Paleolithic megafauna that roamed the islands, like mammoths, gray wolves, giant elk, the islands themselves had a different arrangement. Due to low Ice Age sea levels, the islands of Honshu, Kyushu, and Shikoku were conjoined into one large landmass, with Hokkaido being connected intermittently. Unfortunately, this means that a lot of artifacts, human remains, and tools which would otherwise aid our understanding of that time are now buried at the bottom of the ocean. Thankfully, we're not left with nothing, else this would be a short first episode indeed. So how did humans come to inhabit a group of isolated islands in the Far East? There are a few different theories regarding the precise route humans took to arrive on Japan some 35,000 years ago, Suffice to say that they either walked across a land bridge from the Korean peninsula or sailed to the islands. For now at least, it seems likely that two distinct people groups arrived on the large Pleistocene island from different directions, one entering what would become known as Kyushu from the south, and another group entering what would become Hokkaido in the north. Where did these groups come from? The Kyushu settlers may have ferried themselves across the Tsushima Strait from Korea, or sailing north from the Ryukyu Islands, or even Taiwan. The Hokkaido settlers likely came from Siberia, which is to this day still home to many East Asian ethnic groups. I'd like to take a moment to stress that this is the best information currently available which can be supported by archaeology. Someday we might be able to state with greater certainty who those Pleistocene humans were who first entered Japan looking for food, shelter, and safety, but for now we can only paint with a broad brush based on what has been found and how it is currently understood. Fossil evidence indicates that the Paleolithic Japanese were, like all other humans of their time, hunter-gatherers. The tribal groups that populated the coastal areas would have also had the option of fishing for their food. A peculiarity about the ancient human remains discovered on Japan is that very few of those skeletons contain any evidence of violence. It would be a mistake, however, to conclude that the abundance of food sources in Paleolithic Japan somehow explains the relatively low violence rate. First, the archaeological record of this area is woefully incomplete. We could find a mass grave full of Ice Age skeletons tomorrow with weapon scarring that would throw their minuscule average right out the window. Second, while fish and game was certainly plentiful, there was still the matter of catching it. Their days would have been very busy with tracking, butchering, and preparing their food, not to mention time needed for making suitable clothes, maintaining their shelter, raising children. The Ice Age human's agenda was a long list that made for a generally busy and dangerous life, human-on-human -human violence aside. 
A unique aspect of the Japanese people of the Pleistocene is a relationship with pigs that we don't yet understand very well. The graves of Paleolithic Japanese people often include a pig, and even the skeletons of children are often accompanied by that of a young piglet. What is especially curious about this funeral custom is that there is thus far no evidence that these ancient Japanese practiced any kind of pig domestication. While pig ranching was practiced in contemporary China and Korea, the people on Japan seemed content to rely on hunting wild boar as part of their funeral customs. Meat wasn't the only thing on the menu. The term hunter-gatherer seems to imply that they harvested whatever food they could find in an almost random fashion. For nearly every hunting-gathering society, however, this could not be further from the truth. While they likely lived nomadic lifestyle, nomads do not wander. They follow specific migration routes and live in some areas for consecutive months each year. While there is evidence that the plant life on Japan was being guided by human intervention, we should not think of the prehistoric Japanese as an agrarian people. Sedentary agriculture is still thousands of years away, even at the start of the Jomon period. What we're referring to is plant husbandry. What's the difference between husbandry and agriculture? Agriculture implies a sedentary, non-nomadic life where people try to grow as much food as efficiently as possible with whatever they have. Human selection is practiced aggressively. Only the plants who produce the most food, or biggest fruit, or whatever feature the farmers desire, earn the honor of having their seeds planted the following year to hopefully bring in an even bigger harvest. Plant husbandry is much more casual. Hunter-gatherers would live in a region for a few months, subsisting on a mostly meat diet while harvesting what they could from local flora. They would utilize selection, but use a much smaller parcel of land. Think of a backyard garden with melons, strawberries, and tomatoes. Now pretend that the garden is located in a certain spot within a dense forest or a patch of dirt on the side of a mountain in a region that your family visits in the summer. In an agrarian society, farmers rely on the success of harvest each year so that they can feed their families. In a hunter-gatherer society, a bad harvest could mean a little more hunger from time to time, but was probably not catastrophic by itself. If something happened to the herds of game, however, then things might start to get desperate. It is possible that things indeed got very desperate for those Paleolithic Japanese peoples. Historians mark the beginning of the Jomon period at 14,000 BCE. We are not certain whether the Jomon people descend from the Pleistocene humans on Japan, or whether they arrived as settlers. They may have come from Taiwan, the Ryukyu Islands, the Korean Peninsula, Siberia, or even Indonesia, but again, we're really not certain. The word Jomon is a Japanese phrase which means cord-marked. The Jomon people have been thusly named because of the style with which they decorated their pottery. Pottery itself is what sets the Jomon period apart from the hunter-gatherers that came before it, and it was a pretty big deal in the ancient world. The earliest examples of pottery on record were discovered in China, and by the Jomon period the technology had spread all over East Asia. We'll dig more into the various styles of Jomon pottery in a later episode this season, but for now I'll address the demographic and lifestyle changes which gradually eclipsed the old ways during the Jomon period. The Jomon people were not a large unified group, but consisted of many independent tribes that shared various cultural affinities. 
An imperfect but possibly helpful comparison would be the Germanic peoples during the Roman Republic. They spoke similar languages, had relatively the same basic concept of the world, believed in mostly the same gods, and would occasionally fight one another over resources. During the incipient and initial Jomon, that's the periods that span from 14,000 to 4,000 BCE, it was a time of very gradual but inevitable change. The glaciers had already begun their long melt, which would eventually raise the sea levels, and the massive land we call Paleo Honshu would become the Japanese islands we know today. During that long ago period, the various peoples who lived in East Asia would have had somewhat close contact through migration and even maritime trade. The ocean around Japan was filled with fish, which the Jomon people caught in huge numbers. Other sources of food included nut-producing trees such as oaks and chestnuts, wild yams, and game animals such as deer and wild boars. The people of the incipient and initial Jomon period seems to have lived semi-sedentary lives and practiced an almost primitive form of agriculture. Impressions of soybeans preserved on shards of pottery indicate an increase in bean size over time, and there is evidence of selection and husbandry among lacquer and nut trees, as well as hemp, gourds, and red beans. The beginning of the early Jomon period, that's 4000 BCE, saw several population explosions. We infer from these sudden bursts of fertility and drop in infant mortality that things must have been going pretty well for the Jomon people, all things considered. Some of the tribes built settlements in central and northern Honshu, and the semi-sedentary lives of the Jomon people began to lean ever more toward permanent, static settlement. The climate was changing, the world growing ever warmer and more amenable to human life. One such settlement is the Sanai Maruyama site. Believed to have originated as a seasonal camp for hunter-gatherers, it changed along with the people who lived there. First, they built storage pits, very useful for concealing goods from passers-by or hostile tribes. Then came pit dwellings, a longhouse, and eventually elevated storehouses. The pottery during the early Jomon starts to get much larger than the cups and storage vessels of the incipient and initial Jomon periods. Pottery of that size would not be useful to actively nomadic hunter-gatherers because it would be cumbersome and heavy. This was a culture that was leaning heavily into settling long-term and saw less and less need for seasonal migration. As their lifestyles changed, so did their social order. Anthropologists believe that early human hunter-gatherers like the Jomon people were radically egalitarian. In times of crisis, someone might be appointed leader, but otherwise everyone within a tribe would be treated as relative equals. As they became ever more settled, there is evidence that this began to change. Large-scale building projects like henges and megalithic stone monuments likely required a fair-sized labor force and the planning of some kind of foreman. As seasonal hunts in local hunting grounds replaced nomadic herd following, hunters may have gained some special status in the society, and it is likely that they developed into a specialized class that was not accessible to everyone in a tribe. None of this is exactly strict hierarchy, but it may have developed into a more stratified system if it had been left to its own devices. 
The structures of the Sunai Maruyama site continue to grow larger and more complex, indicating a large, organized population capable of hoisting large pillars and harvesting sufficient lumber. Around 2300 BCE, however, the site was abandoned. Its great buildings left empty. Global temperatures at the time dropped by 2.6 degrees Celsius, and that reduction seems to have spurred the collapse of many other civilizations around the world. In the grand scheme, this was only one settlement among many, and the Jomon people continued to thrive on other parts of Honshu. The Middle Jomon period begins in 2500 BCE, and the discoveries from this time paint a picture of an increasingly easier existence for the ancient humans of Japan. Pit houses may not sound impressive, basically a pit with a roof over it, but they were certainly good enough to provide shelter and a decent amount of insulation using the earth itself. The pit dwellings during the Middle Jomon are noticeably more complex, with some even including flat stone floors. While we don't understand much about the prevailing religions of the time, we start to see an increase in the number of physical ritual objects made from ceramic or wood. Of particular interest are the earliest forms of magatama, which are curved beads originally made of simple materials like clay, quartz, jadeite, and slate in the final Jomon period. These beads are found in graves, and may indicate some primeval status system, or at least a development in the Jomon understanding of individuality and personal property. It seems that when the pressing needs of food, shelter, and safety were more effectively satisfied, the people began to ask deeper questions about life, the universe, and everything. The religions of the Jomon people were most likely some form of polytheistic pagan animism with some incidental shamanism, depending on where you lived. Discoveries of ancient Japanese lacquerware in China and Korea, as well as Chinese and Korean lacquerware on Japan, indicates the existence of a rudimentary trade network. While there is much about the ancient world that seems primitive and alien to our comprehension today, humans are humans, and one thing humans love to do is trade. Lacquer trees in Japan receive the same husbandry selection as soybeans and gourds, and the trees produce more lacquer per season over time. After 1500 BCE, the climate began cooling once more and wreaked absolute havoc on the residents of Japan. Central and northern Honshu, the primary regions where Jomon life thrived, were thrown once more into an ice age and had yet again to try and bounce back. This time, however, there would be no long-term comeback for the Jomon ways. In Kyushu, various farming methods and customs from the Korean peninsula were sweeping across the land like Beatlemania. Agriculture begins to replace and supplement rustic forms of cultivation, and the styles of pottery found on Kyushu at the end of the Jomon period are distinctly Korean in character. Only Hokkaido would continue practicing these customs passed down from the Jomon way of life as Honshu began to be transformed by a new people who had migrated to Japan in search of a fresh start. As they displaced, intermarried, and integrated with the Jomon people, the Yayoi people began their ascent as the dominant cultural force on Japan. Thank you for listening. Please consider supporting this podcast at patreon.com slash ahistoryofjapan.com.